welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast. We're talking about Doctor Who. We're talking about a classic third Doctor story, the first third Doctor story called Spearhead from Space. I am Ken. Jeff. Julia. And this episode has a lot of firsts in it, but let's first find out what it's about. Uh, so the newly regenerated Doctor uh, is found unconscious in the woods outside TARDIS and Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart uh, believes it's him but he doesn't recognize him when he goes to visit him in the hospital where he's been taken mm -hmm. confusing all the doctors because he has strange blood and two heartbeats so yeah there's a a lot of firsts in this. This is the biggest is the first color episode um, for Doctor Who. It's also the first time that they filmed it on 16mm through the whole episode. And the reason they did that is because there was a strike in the studios, so they couldn't do the, in the studio stuff, so they had to do it all on 16mm, which is a great advantage to us because it looked better. Mm -hmm. um, they were able to release it on Blu-ray recently because you can't, when you release video, it doesn't look, you know, it's not a big, as big of a difference as if you release film on, on Blu-ray. It looks better, so they were able to do that a while ago. Um, so it looks better overall, it looks consistent, you don't have that studio look, which always makes the show look cheap. It was or, shot on location, there were no studio scenes in this. Yeah, yeah. so um, that helped too. Um, you know, so obviously the sets and everything were much better because they weren't sets. <laughs> right. Right, they were like factories and stuff like that. So, it's the first episode for Liz Shaw, obviously the first episode for John Pertwee. Um, it's the first episode of a series of, of episodes where the Doctor is exiled on Earth. And, uh, Yeah. And it featured the Autons, which I didn't know were a um, thing before. Yes, yeah, the first appearance of the Autons, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So the, and nest, they, the Nestine. And they had a. This is like a good trivia question to ask a Doctor Who fan. They are the only monster monster to appear three times in season openers besides the Daleks, because they appeared in Spearhead from Space at the beginning of the season, Terriotas beginning of the season, and mm -hmm. Rose beginning of the season, and the, only the Daleks have done that. So this episode is directed by Derek Maritinus, Mer whatever how you pronounce it. Robert Holmes is the writer, and Derek Sherwin's last story working on the show. Um, the working title for this was fa Fax Facsimile? Yes. And, go ahead. It was based on some 1965 movie, apparently. Yeah, by uh, Robert Holmes called Invasion, actually. Which I've never heard of before. No, I haven't either. So let's talk about the episode, besides the fact that it kind of looks good and has real settings and everything. What do you think of the Third Doctor? Like this is his first episode. I know you've seen some first I've Third seen Doctor. I've seen stuff with him before. I, I mean, I, I like John Pertwee. I think mm -hmm. he's good. Um, I, I actually 
enjoyed this. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, because I don't usually like the older ones, but um, you know, I thought it 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 moved relatively quickly. It had some funny moments, you know, and it it you know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I wonder, I wonder if it moved. If the pacing was better on it, because when you, when they do studio episodes, they do tend to kind of like drag. We have this studio. We're going to be in the studio for a while, so let's draw out this scene. Whereas if they're on location, they probably have time constraints and with how long they can be at a certain place. So maybe they wrote the script. I don't know if they wrote the script and then found out they had to do it on location and just had to adapt it. Or if they knew they had to go on like location and they wrote it, but um, you know it does seem to move really well. Uh, there's not a lot of long, long scenes. You know, I guess there's a few when they're inside, but maybe that's part of the process. In which I like case. the fact that they didn't drag out the hospital scenes where the post regeneration thing, like they usually do with the newer, later series. Yeah, he was only like knocked out for a little bit. But he knew what was going on, and then he escaped. Well, and he, he gets a, shot. He spent a whole episode doing that, though. Yeah, but he was more or less coherent, just playing the fool, so he planned his escape. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh, where am I? Oh. Like they do with the new series, which is kind of I hate, I because he's like, yeah, he's out of it for a whole. He's out episode. of it for like a whole episode. And it's like we've we've seen this every time. Do something different. Yeah, I think one of the things in this the John Pertwee era is the chases, the uh, film chases that you see. And we had um, him in a wheelchair being chased by people. and That was amusing. Yeah. And um, that takes up time. And when you look at the script, you have, even if it's only 45 seconds or so, you have 45 seconds or a minute of a chase, which is exciting. But now you have 45 minutes less dialogue we have to worry about usually. And that helps the pacing too. That whole scene of him being chased was very kind of Benny Hill esque. Well, yeah. I, I thought it was, I mean, it was goofy, but it yeah. was funny. Yeah, well, and it works in Tepertree's favor because he was a comedian. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just, I mean, his mouth is taped shut. He's crawling through the, the woods, and the unit guy says, Oh, I'll just shoot him. <laughs> I'm just like, I always, I always crack up when I see that scene because it, it's like, he shoots first. You can clearly see when he comes out of the bushes that he's a guy with his mouth taped. Mm. And he says, oh, I'm just going to shoot him. Yeah. And I always thought that was kind of funny. I was like... I, guess. I thought the scenes with the woman and the man, the husband and wife... Oh, the, 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 oh, the yeah. poacher guy? The poacher and his wife. Maybe went on too long, but that's typical. I thought it still was, was pretty good. I mean, you know, why aren't you inside making me coffee? Whatever, you know. Make me dinner, woman, or something. Yeah, something like that. It's just yeah, unusual it's stuff. very typical. I mean, typical of the of the era. era, and just sort of typical British kind of. One of the creepiest scenes in, in all of Doctor Who. It's, it still bothers me. Is uh, well, the, the guy's on the phone and he's like staring through the glass. He looks through the glass and the, like the glass is beveled, so you see it's like. Yeah. Uh, that's just amazing. That something like that can be so effective and it's not makeup or anything it was probably they were on location and someone probably looked over at the window there and said hey look at that you know no, that guy was genuinely creepy yeah the guy who played the the nestine 
who was, you know, their spokesperson, spokesperson or whatever he was. I can't remember his name, but yeah, he was. Uh, he had a good deadpan face that didn't show any emotion. Yeah, there was some really good stuff for that. The Autons, I think, were really scary for the most part until we saw the nesting, and then it was kind of like yeah, well, back to the tentacle monster. Yeah, anyway. but for 1970, it's well, not yeah, bad. But, um, it's better than some of the stuff that was in the McCoy era. Yeah, yeah well, some of the 80s stuff. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's almost like the, the Mara McCoy, McCoy stuff <laughs> took the same props. Or the Mara and the Davidson no. stories, which were pretty bad looking um uh what was i gonna say uh liz shaw i thought was pretty good in this i've never had any major problem with her no i understand you know they didn't want someone too smart at the time that's why they went with someone that was just the opposite after her with uh joe oh. grant but um you know, I think I th they made her too smart. Lish Shaw? Yeah. May maybe. That's what they said. They said they didn't want someone too smart because then the doctor would be... And, and they changed that later on because Romana is as smart and other characters later on. But um, I didn't have a major problem with that. I thought it worked really well because she was very, um, you know, questioning everything. She wasn't on the same... She was always at odds with him when it came to... The science, at least in the, that episode, anyway, she was like, yeah, really? You know, I don't believe you for a second, you know. And well, I mean, she obviously was not aware of UNIT and what they did and and what, what was going on. And so she was very skeptical, and I thought, I thought it was believable. Yeah. And she didn't scream. Yep. She didn't scream once. Mm -hmm. No, she doesn't. Which was great. Have you seen her before? Yeah, we did uh, Ambassadors of Death. Ambassadors of Death, okay. Yeah, I mean, she's really good in this, and, and you know, she only lasted one season, and it's a shame because I thought she was a really good companion, but not necessarily as memorable as some of the other ones. Um, maybe because she only lasted a season, but it was a longer season. It was a and lot she of. She never more. traveled in the TARDIS. Yep. Because they're stuck on Earth right now, right? Right, except in books. They didn't do an episode yeah. in. Did she ever even get into the TARDIS to see it? Nope. The TARDIS is taken apart in this season. I think it, they bring the console out into the unit rooms and stuff. So she's next to the console and she, um, I does mean, she get I off guess, the planet? No. No, okay. I guess, you know, some of the stuff that came out in the books that are considered canon, she does. Oh. But on TV, she never does. Hmm. Her ending is similar to some of the endings in the Companions, where her last episode is, they didn't know it was the last episode for her, I don't think. And so they, she just ends where she's, it's just a regular day, and she's laughing at the end, and then the episode ends, and then the next season, she's gone. And they do med make mention of it, that she went off to someplace. Like the ministry, I think. Something like that, but... Which is good, at least they mention it, but there was no writing out of that character. Like, Did they fire her? I think she got pregnant. She was pregnant in she Ambassadors of Death. Yeah. She was doing all that running and everything, but I don't know if that was it or if they they decided it was... Be I guess maybe they... 
Well, in Mary Tam's case, she only signed a one-year contract and she wasn't coming back. But I don't know anything about Caroline John that much. She might have just been a one-shot deal and just didn't want to come back. Maybe. I mean, I thought it was because some people agreed that they thought that she was too smart of a companion, that the companion needed to be someone that wasn't as intelligent. That could be, too. But, you know, obviously that's... <laughs> bad that that was thought that way. I don't think she was smarter than a doctor. But if it was now, she'd still, she would Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and then, like I said, Ramana was smarter, smarter sometimes, and they left her around for a while, so they changed that mentality just a few years later. Well, that's something. <laughs> well, it's the 70s, you got this. I know, I know. Uh, there's a little bit of violence in this one. Oh, yeah, but it's great violence. It's like the greatest scene ever is when the autons come crashing through the, oh, yeah. the storm windows. That's like that's like one of the greatest. Yeah, that was one of those ever. scenes. That was and all the people just they get falling down like sacks of. Yeah, th that was the scene that kind of everyone remembered, and as kids they were scared of mannequins, mannequins and, the and stuff windows. like that. And um, well, yeah. <laughs> it is a great scene. Uh, a lot of people are just getting mowed down. Innocent people, which you hadn't seen much before that, I don't think. Maybe in the days. Not really. Not sure, but... Um, but they smash the window and the cops stare in their mouth. waiting for a bus and... <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene where a unit soldier, I think, uh, gets into a car accident and there's blood all over the window and stuff. So yeah. That was a little bit jarring because oh look it's in color but it, it, it also doesn't happen that often that you see that so when it does happen in, in Doctor Who it's a little more noticeable um. yeah I mean even though there was no blood and guts and gore except for that you know the unit guy in the car accident I mean, you still really couldn't see a lot it was just blood on the windshield yeah. you know you couldn't and you I think they did say later that he was dead so, yeah. But the people who got shot in the street, there was they just yeah, fell there was over. Smoke coming out of there, you know. Uh, so there was. Um, I looked this up. I didn't recognize this. I'm not one of those people that recognizes it. But there was a few props on the doctor's bench in this episode. One was the freezing machine from Space Museum, and another one was uh, from Wheel in Space. Uh, some <coughs> been the uh, I don't know what invasion and wheel in space something was was on there that same machine I guess was used or no the invasion spaceship the invasion cyber cyber ship prop was in the lab and and when I read that I looked for it and it was like this big thing in the in the corner I'm like yeah it's that spaceship that was in invasion I never noticed that now, I didn't notice it but I had I read about it and I said oh then I looked for it but. You know, I'm sure people out there are not going to hate it right away. So I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. No, it's just I mean, not a thing. Yeah. I like like you with the music. I I really only notice it if it becomes painfully loud. Yeah. That I can't hear mm -hmm. the the dialogue or something because yeah. I know it's, that's happened some in New Who and some in old episodes too. Yeah. I don't find it as distracting. I didn't write music down on this, which is unusual. Usually I make some comment about it. I, I, I didn't think the music was overbearing in this. I think it was the right, it was almost invisible, so that's why I didn't mention it. But I do like the uh, 
when the autons start up and, <laughs> and that, that pulsating sound effect, which is probably not music, it's more of the sound effect of an auton, but... And I did like the scene where they were supposed to be in Madame Tussauds wax museum, because uh, have either of you guys been there? Yeah. The place is creepy. Yeah. That place is really, really creepy. I went there when I was like 13 when we lived there, uh -huh. and I just remember like it their eyes look like they're following you yeah. all the time and yeah, I, I was older so it wasn't like i was but you're looking through it and you're like wait a minute is that did they throw in a real person there? <laughs> yeah. they have on occasion yeah they have on occasion they they film it i forgot who the last person was who they, it, i saw it on yeah. facebook or something Oh, so that I I liked those scenes where they were they were in the wax museum because you were like, oh, some of these people are real people. <laughs> these are all wax figures, and they're gonna start moving and doing bad things. And then when you, we do know who who are real in the scenes and stuff, they're they're obviously swaying back and forth. They're not really good actors of standing still like that general or whatever. He was kind of swaying around a lot. But yeah, um, I thought the outdowns were really good in this. I, I um. I've I've enjoyed I enjoyed all the classic Auton appearances to both of them. Yeah, um, General Scooby. <laughs> General Scooby, yeah. But I, I I wasn't a big fan of of the Autons in the new series. I guess they were okay, but I noticed a female Auton in this too, which I don't remember picking up on before. And I'm like, oh wait a minute. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, when was there a female Auton? There might have not been one in Terra the Autons. There were ones in, um, there must have been ones in Rose. Yeah, and there's this little kid one. Kid, yeah. But they were just mannequins, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. There's Dressed up as whatever. Yeah. I think Terrorathons is a creepier episode overall than this one because of some of the stuff that goes on. But it's also some sillier stuff in Terror. We've done Terror, right? Yeah, we've done the, Terror. Uh, yeah. The black pudding chair and the, uh, the doll. The doll's great. Well, there's some. <laughs> so this one's maybe uh, not as jokey with that but it's not as jokey as rose either because yeah. rose definitely had some silly moments yeah really silly moments yeah the, the, the arm the hand thing the hand thing and the the, the, wheelie, the wheelie bin, bin. that was and then the wheelie bin horrible works. that was one of the worst things i i never recovered from that never <laughs> Here I am sitting down with popcorn and soda going, I'm ready for Doctor Who to come back. To, you know, screw everyone who said, it's back, baby. And then, burp, and I'm like, okay. It's going to live for a long 10 years or however long this is going to go. Well, and they did that until Moffat took over, and I was like, there we are, popcorn soda again. There we go. This is the real launch of the new series. And then, like, a couple of episodes, I was like, so now I'm going to do it again fingers, this weekend. Fingers crossed <laughs> with the popcorn. <laughs> going to sit down, going to write, this is it. See if Chibnall pisses everybody off. She might. And if she starts saying all these women power things and starts, uh, oh, you know, all these, whatever, we'll, we'll see. Well, that, that would be next week's podcast. I'm not worried about, my, yeah, I know, we're going way off topic. I think one of the funniest things is when he's in there and he's in the shower. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always criticize Doctor Who humor, but when it was, I know this is very hypocritical for me to say, but it, it feels like when it's in the, not all the time, 
when 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 Smith McCoy does humor, it really bothers me. But when the early stuff, when they did have humor, it was so subtle, subtle, and maybe and and infrequent that when it happened, it was like, wow, that's really good. Like uh, John Pertwee singing in a, in a shower and trying on his clothes, that's good. Tom Baker doing the same thing in his first episode. But when you see it, that type of thing constantly, it, it like, ah. But anyways, <laughs> um, there's a. I, there's a scene, I guess they fixed it for the Blu-ray release, but there's a scene in Spearhead from Space. This is like a good trivia question. When's the first time we hear John Pertwee speak in Spearhead from Space? And it's not when the doctor's talking. It's not shoes. No, no, no it's not. It's, um, it's when he, oh, wait, no. over he was the hoist over the brigadier. Yeah, yeah, there's a scene where the brigadier is talking to Liz before the doctor wakes up, and it's voiced by John Pertwee. And it's obvious. He's like, in, in, in the past, the Earth has been invaded twice. And, and it's, it's obviously John Pertwee trying to do a really bad impression of Nicholas, uh, Courtney. Nicholas Courtney. But um, I think they fixed it for recent DVD or the Blu-ray release, so they... I don't know how they fixed it. Or... Maybe it was, they. I don't know. I don't know how they fixed it. Did Nicholas Courtney just voiceover? Maybe. Uh, maybe he was still alive. They might have done that for a repeat or something, or when the DVD first came out or something. But his voice would have sounded. I mean, whatever the case is, they they did fix it and they got rid of it. But you can still. I think it's an extra on the DVD. I think you can listen to the original. But I remember hearing it when we were when we were watching it the first time, and I I recognized it right away. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not. Why would they do that? Because they, there was a mistake made in, in the line, and somehow Nicholas Courtney wasn't available to redub the lines, so they just, uh, John Pertwee said, I'll do it. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just, it's funny. I forgot about that. Yeah. But, <laughs> anyways. It is funny. Um... So I thought this was a pretty good start to a color series. We got to see and a very good start to his era too. Yeah, his his era started off really strong. A lot of strong stories in that. What's the second season. one? Solarian. Solarian. They had Ambassador of Death, Inferno. Yeah, there's only three. four stories, right? Yeah, Inferno would have been the last one. Yeah, they said this. They thought the show was going to be canceled after this after season. This season. I thought it was going to be canceled the season before, too. But it just took off. Seems like they think that every season. <laughs> the, um... Yeah, I, I think this season got pretty good ratings. And then it got better and better the following season or two. I think it really took off. To the point where they probably didn't think about that the series would, wouldn't end for a while until Jonathan Turner took over. So, anyways, there was some good in the Nathan Turner era. No, no, there's a lot of good stuff. I could, I defend him. I defend him all the way to the end. I, I think he, there was a lot of stuff he did right. But compared to some of the more recent producers, anyways, anything else about this one? No, I, I mean, I actually. It's like one it. of the best first stories of a doctor 
in the in the series. Yeah, history. that's not saying much. It, but it is. I mean, it's really well written. Of the fir what first of the first Doctor? Yeah, the first thing. Oh. you know for you know. I haven't seen that many regenerations. So, uh, from old Doctor Who. Well, we're gonna have an upcoming episode called Time and the Ronnie that's gonna be one of the well, worst, yeah, and, and then uh, I, I think um, the guy before it was uh, his one was really that good. Colin Twin, Baker, Twin Dilemma. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Castor Melba was fine. Yeah, that was alright. But yeah, it was not all right. It was good. Johnny Whitaker's was really bad. Oh, sorry. I I, <laughs> I want to get practice, get started up. It could be. We don't know. No. I'm bringing my expectations back up again. <laughs> Only to get shot down. You got the vacuum ready for the popcorn spill? Yeah. Okay. I think that's it for Spearhead from Space. Thanks for listening.